Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What's that? Uh, taxi driver? Ah, yeah, cool. And, uh, shower head, big knife. Is that Psycho? Okay. Dancing lady. Are, are those wolves? Dances with wolves? They kind of look more like foxes. Or a hedgehog. Okay, what's this? Uh, a radio, another wolf slash fox, and lots of people. Radio fox group? Radio wolf bunch? Radio wolf gang? Radio Wolfgang emoji title, I love it. Smiley love heart eyes, winky kiss. Hello, this is Radio Wolfgang. Yeah, we're back on air. It goes down, but we don't care. We're mobile now. We're everywhere. Yeah, Radio Wolfgang, back on air. You're listening to Special-ish on Radio Wolfgang. Well, actually, I took a pretty circuitous route into science. You know, I think that sometimes people assume that if you go into academia, it's because... I was predetermined from the time you were young and you've always been sort of sculpted for that or whatever. But I, I didn't even know there was such a thing as geology or astronomy when I was a kid and I never had any intention of going to university and didn't know how it all worked. But um, long story short, once I did end up uh, working a number of jobs, I decided to go to uni. I discovered geology by chance, fell in love with it. I knew that was what I wanted to do. And what's really cool about it is that you can work outside and have a lot of nature in your life, but also take an analytical approach to your job and be quite creative. So all those things work for me. And then uh, in planetary science, what we do is we apply the principles of geology to other planets. So on Earth, what a geologist would typically do is study minerals and rocks at the surface of the Earth, try to put an age date on those and try to interpret from the minerals and the textures and the fossils and things like that, try to interpret the environmental conditions at the time that they formed, and then reconstruct the environment through time to see how the Earth has changed. While we don't have the fossil evidence on Mars, we certainly have the minerals and the chemistry, at least that we can detect from remote observations. 
and we can reconstruct the environment through time on Mars using remote sensing data. So that's what I work on. Mark Watney is still alive. In your face, Neil Armstrong. Well, the coolest thing about Mars is that it is in many ways Earth-like, but it's definitely alien and different. So what I personally think is the most interesting thing about that planet is that it's like a window into our own past. Not today. Today you see a really frozen desert planet, absolutely desolate. It'd be the worst place you'd ever want to be. But we know from remote sensing data that there are these really old rocks that are 3.5, 3.7, 3.8, or 4 billion years old. And they contain minerals that formed in lakes and seas and in hydrothermal conditions underground. So what's really cool about that is that at the same time when they formed, say 3.8 billion years ago, on Earth, that's about when life probably formed on Earth. And it probably formed in the same kinds of environments. So although we don't know the exact process, we think that the same kinds of conditions would have existed on Mars. And on Earth, all those rocks, or most of them, have been either removed, eroded, destroyed, subducted, or metamorphosed. That means they've been mashed up by tectonics. Those textures, the, the chemical signatures have all been overwritten. And therefore, it's very difficult to interpret the rock record on Earth, the really ancient rock record. But on Mars, that stuff's all preserved. And so we can actually, it's like a Rosetta Stone for the early Earth. If we can just go observe and collect and bring back those ancient rocks. I find Mars to be the most interesting planet because it is similar enough to Earth that it's it's geologically analogous and it's uh, comprehensible in those ways, but it's different enough that we're actually always discovering new alien ways for chemistry to operate or new types of geological contexts. Uh, and Mars always surprises us. I'm alive, obviously, but I'm guessing that's going to come as a surprise to my crewmates and to NASA and to the entire world, really. So... Surprise! Mars is familiar enough to people. When you see a picture of Mars, it looks either like the moon or like somewhere on Earth. For example, somewhere in the natural parks of the western U.S. or northern Africa and lots of other places. The most Mars-like place I've ever been is central Iceland in the highlands of Iceland. It's, it's a very Mars-like landscape. Um... Those things are familiar to us because we, we can see a volcano, we can see a glacier, we can see a, a, we can see sand dunes, and it, it connects to us. Whereas if I describe to you seas of methane and ethane on Titan and how you could kayak around in lakes and streams of hydrocarbons, that's true, and it's wicked, but it's not as easy to imagine. This is Mark Watney, astronaut. I'm entering this log for the record, uh, in case I don't make it. Uh, it is 0653 on Sol 19, and I did not die on Sol 18, uh, best I can figure. This length of our primary communications antenna broke off and tore through my biomonitor and ripped a hole in me as well. Uh, but the, the antenna and, and the blood really 
managed to seal the breach in my suit, which kept me alive, even though the crew must have thought I was dead. I have no way to contact NASA, and even if I could, it's going to be four years until a manned mission can reach me. And I'm in a hab designed to last 31 days. If the oxygenator breaks, I'm going to suffocate. If the water reclaimer breaks, I'll die of thirst. If the hab breaches, I'm just going to kind of implode. And if by some miracle none of that happens, eventually I'm going to run out of food. Well, there's two ways to think about surviving on Mars. One of them is this thing called terraforming. That is, do we make the environment like Earth so that humans can just kind of roam around? Um, I think that's not going to happen. I think it's a really bad idea to try to make that happen. But certainly, I think humans could survive there within habitats, within uh, structures that protect us from the environment. Mind you, it's about minus 50 degrees Celsius on average on Mars. There's a lot of UV radiation, a lot of cosmic radiation um, that's super dry, and there are windstorms and things like that. So we'll need protection from those things, but in the future I'm confident, 100% confident, we will live and operate on the surface of Mars. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept, one we are unwilling to postpone, and one we intend to win. This is Apollo Saturn Launch Control. We passed the six-minute mark in our countdown for Apollo 11, the flight to land of the first men on the moon. If you were to predict all of the different... Um, risk scenarios for Apollo astronauts in the modern climate, we would never be able to execute those missions. Um, but we were less risk-averse at that point. And so now we think about all of the possibilities for what astronauts would experience en route to Mars, on the surface, and on the way back. Those are interpersonal, uh, psychological issues, and as well as the physical health issues and all that. So it's obviously, you must think about those things. You must think about every eventuality. But at some point, you just kind of say, like, fuck it, and you just do it. Because you don't know if people are going... I mean, it's kind of... It is the experiment. You know, you can't reproduce it anywhere else in the laboratory. You can't really isolate people for two years at a time. They do these sort of... Um, these tests where they put people in a capsule in Arizona or in other places in, in the Arctic and they they live in there for a year. And I'm not saying you shouldn't do that stuff, but everybody knows there's a panic button. And the thing about going to Mars is that there's no panic button. You have to think your way through every problem. And that was actually the best part of the film, was that they really show how Matt Damon overcomes his fear and has to just try to think out of uh, every hazard that comes up. But right now, I got bigger problems on my hands. I have scoured every single data file on Commander Lewis's personal drive. This is officially the least disco song she owns. Looking for some hot stuff, baby, this evening. I need some hot stuff, 
Overall, I thought the film was very good. The first thing that I found a little bit disappointing happened about 20 seconds into the film because they're located in a place called Acidelia Planitia, which is a place I've happened to have studied on Mars. And so as soon as they showed the landscape in the landing site area, I thought, well, nope, that's not it. <laughs> and now, mind you, I don't think that that kind of detail really matters for to make a film an interesting science fiction film. But it is just something that I noticed. And I was, I guess I was looking forward to seeing how they were going to reproduce that particular part of Mars. They just didn't try. They filmed it in Jordan, in a very geologically cool area. But that's not what that part of Mars would look like. This is space. It does not cooperate. There are some people who have a lot of time on their hands, have gone through every single scientific detail that the uh, characters um, experience during the film. And you know, they've raised some questions about specific things, like the power of dust storms and the grain size of materials that would be moved around on the surface. And, you know, there's a little bit of uh, liberty taken by the uh, directors there. But overall, I think that they've done a really great job with this film by putting the scientists in realistic situations. Even some of the banter among them sort of makes fun of how... Some of the um, the clashes between what scientists, how scientists think about exploration versus how politicians do, and so on. And uh, overall, I think the it's about as realistic as one might imagine, um, generally speaking. Yeah. Where is Watney going? Well, we believe that he's preparing for a journey. Uh, he's uh, been conducting incremental tests, taking the rover two out for longer and longer trips each time. Sir. Yep. To what end? Why would he leave the relative safety of the HAB? Well, we think that he plans to travel to the Ares 4 launch site in order to make contact with us, but it would be a dangerous gamble. But if we could talk to him, we would tell him to stay put and to trust that we are doing everything in our power to bring him home alive. Thank you very much. Don't say bring him home alive, Vincent. You know what? These interviews aren't easy. So God forbid I try to say something proactive and, and positive. Annie? No more Vincent on TV. Copy that. I would personally go to Mars, but of course it depends on a few different details that we'd have to understand ahead of time. I would say obviously, yes, I would do it, but it sort of depends on who you go with. And you know what's, you'd have to really think of it as, um, as a family environment. So you, the people that you go with would have to, they would be your new, your new group, you know, it'd be a new your clan and so you'd you take care of each other and you'd provide for each other all the things that you need as humans that are not totally unavailable in a planetary context so if that seemed anything above completely hopeless i would definitely go but also i don't have children and i don't you know i think that kind of thing can really affect people's decision as well I do think that we ultimately could make a lot of progress by having humans perform research on the surface of Mars. And the reason is that when you do geology in the field, the decisions that you can make are, are so complex and so fast and so much more efficient than, than trying to have a robot do it. Uh, that's, that would be interesting. 
But if we do send humans to the surface, it's not going to initially be for research. And it would be a whole lot of just kind of flags and footprints and stuff like that. So I think in order to, the best bet in terms of uh, having an interesting research career is to stay put and use robotic data. Yeah, I think sometimes people, uh, they look at the expenses involved with space exploration or particular Mars lander or mission, and they look at those compared to what they perceive as being other global scale problems on Earth and think, you know, why are we spending money externally when we could be spending it here to help feed people or fight disease or someone? And I think the simple answer is, um, let's say you were to funnel all of our exploration funds into uh, healthcare, and if you if you could guarantee that by doing that we could all live one more year longer and maybe a little bit healthier lives. I think, who wants to live a longer, healthier life if it's boring? And so, to me, um, it's not just about being, you know, occupied with some sort of uh, games or something, but this is a this is something I dump my heart and soul into. I'm entirely committed to it. It is what makes me up. So, um, I absolutely think that's our, you know, our purpose, finding one's purpose on planet Earth is what is most important. Welcome to the Astronaut Candidate Program. Now pay attention, because this could save your life. Trust me, I know what I'm talking about. Five, four, three, two, one. And liftoff at dawn. The dawn of Orion and a new era of American space exploration. Need more science? Of course you do. Head over to RadioWolfgang.com to find out more about becoming a member and downloading our app, which allows you full access to all the episodes of Science-ish. 